Hello there. Hi. Um, I haven't spoken to you very much since you moved to LA, and I know you had a show in March. Tell me a little bit about the show in March. So that was the first show I've done since I moved back to Los Angeles, and that work, um, what part of it had really been done on site, and it was truly site-specific in that it was really conceptualized and built for the particular space. But other, other parts of the show I'd been working on for many years. Um, and so I feel like it kind of it operated very compositionally, and it worked a little differently, but also a lot like some of my other shows. And I feel like um, one of the things I was able to do with that show was really to work at a much uh, larger scale for some of my um, pieces that involve scented oils. So some of the pieces that are more are, are very sensory based and based in smell were actually always conceived to operate on a really large scale and I had never had the opportunity to do that before. So um, that was really one of my objectives for that show and then in that body of work, I had done a really large build-out for the gallery, which was basically a form that you had to walk under, and um, it, we basically dropped the ceiling for that piece. So it was a really large, um, a larger, larger in terms of construction and scale than anything I'd ever done before. But it also involves some components that I'd been working on for probably the past decade. And one of the pieces that worked in the show that, that really tied into the, some of the work I did in San Francisco was a series of light boxes that used uh, a photograph from a family archive that I'd actually been using for eight years. So um, I feel like uh, I do use a kind of differentiated aspect of seriality in the work. And so a lot of um, components did repeat and then there, were, there was a, a lot of completely um, newly conceptualized work as well. I think there's something to that in your work where there's um, an archive that's being added to and taken from, um, also a set of tools that's being added to and taken from. Like, uh, I feel photography and sculpture are fairly consistent. Um, I'm, maybe I'm less familiar with your smell work or work using scents. Uh, have you been working with scents for a while? Well, I started that work, I want to say about five years ago, and, um, but I haven't done very many of them. So um, there are these large planar works that I think I've done, and, and I do some tests which kind of come up and down, but I want to say I've done five of these pieces, and uh, I'm interested in doing one more, but... Yeah, I've, I've been doing those for about, I want to say, four years. I did uh, one in San Francisco at Southern Exposure that was important to me. Then the first pieces I did out in Los Angeles were at a gallery called LTD, and that was really um, kind of some breakthrough work for me. Um, and, but those pieces, I feel that a lot of my work operates very compositionally and as components, but there's still, I still think of it as one body of work. 
And especially with these pieces, I feel like they, they sort of anchor the space or they serve as kind of motifs for other components of the work. So I feel like it all operates as the same body of work. Certainly. Um, are these scents uh, from, that you're recalling and reproducing or are these uh, uh, scents that you're coming up with sort of uh, from scratch? Um, I guess you could say they're, they're things that have been come up with from scratch. Um, they're basically, I design each one to, to function alongside um, typically imagery or objects. So it's very sort of site specific and it's, um, the nature of it is a little volatile because smell changes very quickly. And it's also a little bit hard to predict, despite the many tests and people I've consulted. Depending on the ventilation and the location of things like doors and windows, and also how often spaces are accessed, the smell will dissipate very quickly, sometimes within a few hours and sometimes within a few months. So it really depends on the piece. It's interesting to give yourself a whole new set of site contingent concerns in the construction or realization of an exhibition when you, there are already so many, whether it's you know, lighting or architecture. Yeah, and some of the smells um, are, very, are meant to be very grounding and they have you know, two to three oils that are sort of mixed together and it really depends on the location of these pieces um, in relation to some of the other work and some of the other work that have these aspects, as you mentioned, of things like lighting, um, light and shadow, and the kind of space or just the kind of time it takes to walk through or around something else within the space. In a lot of your work, there are things which reference uh, both the archival and the domestic, but not necessarily as fixed histories, but as things that are um, up for grabs, whether it's you know domestic architectures or the way that an archive is constructed. Maybe maybe speak a little bit about your relationship to archival material and maybe the domestic. Yeah, that's a really interesting question. Um, maybe something that you have a little bit to add to yourself. Um, you know, it's interesting. A lot of people ask me in a different way about the subject. And I guess what I would say is um, that I'm interested in sort of the psychological and the emotive aspects of the work. I'm also interested in things like um, mood, for example. Um, so I think my work references other trajectories or way of histories, um, but I feel like I'm trying to do something a little different with it. And I think that's why, you know, the issue of the archive or bringing up concepts of domesticity or, or some people ask me about um, feminism or minimalism. I, I think there is a kind of language formally that I pull from and it's, it's intentional, but I also feel like I'm doing something a little different with that language. Um, so I don't know if that starts to answer your question at all. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe so. Um, You've worked in the past with, with your partner, um, which is a more direct uh, conceptual uh, collaboration, but even in, in something like the production of Sense, there's a, a, an, 
a level of collaboration of uh, collusion between you and a skilled maker in a, in a field not necessarily your own? I mean, how does a collaboration play into your practice? Well, that's a really good question. Um, so I've collaborated with actually a couple of people. Um, for example, I, I did a collaboration once with my mother. I've done some little pieces with my son, but the, the work that's most known is um, the work that I've done with my husband, Primitivo Suarez, and we've worked together for about a decade. So um, it's really interesting working with someone for that length of time too. And something that I really come back to with that is the use of shared resources and shared space and just the ethics of that sort of um, ongoing exchange, not only of conceptual material, which I feel like a lot of people talk about, but um, the ethics of the shared resources is, I think, a whole other aspect of that, because I'm also interested in how artists maintain careers, and just a little more information about the nature of our collaborations. Uh, Premi and I started collaborating together on large-scale outdoor installations about 11 years ago, and now we mostly collaborate on um, conceptual I'd say conceptual drawings or um, ideas for larger pieces, which generally are not built. And this does bring up uh, another interest of mine, which really has to do with um, that. I think some of my most important work isn't really object-based and can't be. And so in my career, I've had some pressure to think about, well, how do I um, create these creative exercises or ideas in a way which can be visible and I realized some of them can't be um, and shouldn't be and that's the interesting part to me. So you know I have a couple bodies of work and some of them are more installation based and some of them are um, have to do with a sustained interest in criticism and then uh, I have some work which is really some of it's performance-based or some is has to do with something that's more akin to conceptualized architecture or something like that. I, I think, yeah, I think in your practice you show a, a sort of a fealty to the originating idea or the thing that's being worked through versus a, a sort of need for it to necessarily crystallize into a, a holdable, a, a placeable object. I think that, like... Uh, the recognition that the unrealizable project, even if it if it only remains written or described or drawn, has a value, and and sometimes is as, as far as something can get, um, is important. Yeah, and I'm also interested in um, I think a shared interest we probably have is what an exhibition can be, and I've started to think about that more as well because um, in my latest show I. I and in the work that I'm preparing or working on right now, I'm really interested in how we can challenge the kind of duration of an exhibition or the concept of an exhibition. And when I was involved with Critique Program, we had a really great um, lecture by a curator named Aram Mashiati. Um, and in his lecture, he talked a little bit about creating a kind of differentiated idea or clock time of an exhibition which is an idea that I'm interested in too because I feel like my work and either compositionally or in terms of um, 
just its ability to maybe maintain value or have a kind of conservation, I feel like it does challenge the idea of the duration of an exhibition and the ethics or the standard kind of time that would take. So I'm really interested in the idea of making work, which maybe is really only meant to function for a few days or a few hours, as opposed to eight weeks or six weeks, or maybe indefinitely. Um, and so I'm, I'm thinking a little bit more about that aspect of temporality and time in my work. Definitely. I think, yeah, curatorial data definitely shared that interest. I mean, we think a lot about uh, works in an exhibition as being pulled into a conversation, into a temporary community, but that, like all temporary communities, not everything should be there forever. People move on. Different people get a job elsewhere, etc. And that art shouldn't necessarily be different. And thinking in terms of, say, at the gallery, we have a work by Anthony Desenza that's been up for three months. Um, and it's just kind of always there. And the shows around it change, but the work stays the same and it gets read in different contexts. Um, that ability of, of changing context and that, yeah, and that duration not being given based upon an institutional schedule, but based upon the conceptual concerns of the artist and or like the desires of the work, like thinking a lot about the desire of, of the work, like independent from my own ambitions, I think is, is, is key to my, my practice. And I think to yours as well. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I think your space is really inspiring in that way. Um, and I think, you know, with my work, I would really like to have one thing that I'm working on right now and I'm really thinking about in terms of how it can live in the future is I'm trying to think of um, and, and build on some opportunities to, to really let it live indefinitely, but also to let it change, to let the work change over time. And that's a, that's a tricky thing. And in, in, for example, my most recent show, there was a kind of an aspect of the kind of evaporating or wilting or um, <laughs> a kind of an evaporation, I would say, of objects. I, I did have, for example, some flowers that, like a bouquet or an arrangement of flowers that uh, was a component to a light box or alongside it and the flowers did like wilt or die but they stayed in that sort of placement throughout the, the nature of the show. So this kind of aspect of decay is something that I'm interested in and I, I'm working with that in a lot of different ways. I'm also working with some installations that use a lot of photocopies and I'm interested in the kind of aspect of decay that happens in, in photocopied materials as well. Sure, it's interesting the, the relationship between the fugitive nature of some of the aspects of the sense you were discussing and, yeah, say, color in a photo or the toner on an inkjet print or a Xerox copy. And, yeah, there's a definite connection between those. Yeah, so with the Xeroxes, I was, you know, for me, it, it, there's a formal aspect to it and there's this kind of aspect of erasure that happens in those pieces. Um, and those pieces do change even within like even within one work because the the photocopies will change in between the different polls I do. Uh, one of the things that I like about the photocopy and one of the things that I really think about my work in terms of like its material nature is that um, 
just thinking about its kind of role in our society. And with the photocopier, I was really interested in the use of uh, labor and value and um, trying to, a lot of the pieces are drawings that were photocopied. So I was thinking about the relationship to the hand. But I was also thinking about, you know, using a photocopy machine as a kid, playing with it in my mom's office. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, photocopying party invites and, you know, all the things you kind of do with in my generation with those machines and really thinking about that kind of cultural use and value as well. Yeah, the, the machine always reminds me of uh, making flyers for shows as a, yeah. as a kid, for sure. You did recently uh, relocate to Los Angeles. Had you been there previously for a period of time? Yeah, I moved out here, I guess, about 12 years ago, and um, it's where I met Primitivo, and I worked out of um, Highland Park in Koreatown. Actually, I, I had gone, I had moved up north, and my, my partner, husband, Primi, um, had a job out there, and I, went to, I wound up going to grad school at UC Berkeley. Um, but I also, I had my son when I was living in the Bay Area, and then... Um, we had planned on coming back to Los Angeles sooner or earlier, but then with just the timing of his school and our various obligations, it wasn't convenient until about a year and a half ago to come back. And it's interesting because I have, I feel really connected to the community in San Francisco, but um, also the community here. And I think there's some similarities and, and some differences, but I feel like part of what I've been doing as a teacher or a writer or as an artist, I do feel like that there's a space for that in either place. And it's, uh, it's made me think a lot about being an artist and maintaining a career as an artist and also how I can or how people can support other artists or be supportive of arts communities. And also, you know, I, I'm trying to build community, but also think about how one's identity as an artist can really transcend geography. So these are all, you know, interests of mine. We, we're experiencing, I, just maybe directly after when you left, but also like around the same time, a, a pretty strong exodus of people from the Bay Area due to our uh, absolutely ridiculous uh, rent situation. In the last few weeks, I've, we've lost quite a few artists that I'm, uh, I'm a big fan of, both more established artists and then a lot of really young, talented artists who had moved to the Bay Area, very excited, but slowly but surely got ground down by the uh, economic concerns of trying to be a practicing artist in the Bay Area. But I think there is, I think, like you say, uh, a connection between LA and San Francisco or thinking broader, a sort of growing version of an international style or a, a a conversation that's not necessarily entirely rooted in a regionalist um, concern. And I think that somewhat keeps the exodus from being as painful as it would have been, say, 20 years ago. But it's still felt and it's still hard to see. Although yeah. I, we wish them the best always. You know, I, I selfishly <laughs> want everybody to stay right around me that has a lot of talent. But more than that, a little bit more than that, but more than that, I want them to succeed on their own and to find their own way in the world. Yeah, um, you know, it has, you mentioned the 
the premium of physical space in San Francisco, which is something I've been following a little. And, you know, I do think about your project at, at, at all. And, um, I, I have a friend who just started a space out here called Situation Room. And, um, I think in both, you know, your space and her space, one of the things that strikes me is thinking about a, a gallery or a, an exhibition space or project space is something that can also be a resource for artists. This is something that I think is really needed. And also, you know, re-evaluating, you know, concepts of physical space and how space equals value or not for artists. I think this is something you guys do a really good job with. I, um, yeah, I think that was, it's somewhat connected to our experience of going to the Lower East Side in New York and seeing these spaces that we admire tremendously from afar, um, watching their exhibitions on a pretty regular basis, and then going to the space, which is photographed as to be quite tremendous, and realizing it's no larger than the space we have, and that being very empowering. Yeah, I um, my most recent exhibition was, I don't know, I want to say, you know, 4,000 square feet. It was just so, so much bigger than anything I had ever done before. But I wouldn't necessarily say that that equaled my work being of um, more rigor or more value. And so that's something that I think about, too. And I have friends, um, like my friend who started the Situation Room, Nicole, have you know suggested to me that women in general have such uh, you know so few women as artists get to a place where they have you know physical space to see their work through, and so I really thought about that and I took that very seriously um, because I was just so grateful for the opportunity. But it also made me think more about this relationship between you know, physical space and the rigor of one's work or the ability to push one's work into something new or different or inspiring, how physical space could or could not translate into resources for artists or support for artists. Yeah. So these are all things that I think are really, um, you know, critical questions, both in the Bay Area and in Los Angeles. And I, I just try to be extremely thoughtful about it as an artist. Yeah, it's me too as a curator for sure. <laughs>